Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's about that time. Super Dave, back at you with the PA Political Revolution Podcast. And today, man, we have another good show with you today. We're about to get all in the city's business today, man. We have topics on the budget, EDC, Stonegate Apartment. We have a little special subject right after those three. And um, back at me again, we have one of our favorite guests over here and a good reoccurring guest is former city council member, Mr. Harold Doucette. Mr. Doucette, can you go ahead and say what's up to the people? Hey, how y'all doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, just like I said, we're going to gonna go ahead and talk about a few items and, and uh, let's might as well start on the budget, brother. Hey, whenever you, whenever you ready, just tell us <laughs> what's, your, what's your thoughts on the, uh, the city budget and how it was kind of coming out this year, brother. Well, you know, <clears throat> the city budget is something I think if citizens understood uh, what is the purpose of it and how you go about doing it, you know, they could probably understand more of what uh, the council received in the presentation of that budget. First of all, uh, most cities are doing performance-oriented budget. In other words, they're budgeting for the next coming year based on uh, city's priorities, what the city hopes to accomplish, the services that they're going to provide to the city, and the cost for operation and providing these services. That in itself is what a budget is supposed to do. And when a budget is made, with those things in mind, then you'll find that your uh, upcoming year will be a year in which the city will see how it's progressing and how it is, is prospering. And in order to do that, you know, it's up to the manager to do that budget. That budget is actually done based on what has happened in the previous years and what is happening in the current year to ensure that the upcoming year is obtainable and it's good and is based on information that they gather. You know, uh, you just can't bring numbers over and give somebody what you gave them last year. And in this particular case, you'll find out that's why a lot of cities uh, budget balance their budget based on what we're going to do, what we did the preceding year, and what we want to do the next year. And that's how the budget is formed. And in this particular case with our budget, I don't think that we did a good job of that. And uh, we'll get into it when we talk about, one, how does it reflect the priorities of the city? Well, the first priority of the city is streets. Everybody screams about streets. So when you make a budget for the upcoming year, you have to ensure that you have enough money in that budget to accomplish what you need to do in that year. And the way the street program was designed and approved is that 
the streets that are going to be done in that upcoming year, they are uh, they are decided and approved by council before the budget. Therefore, when they do the budget, they know which streets are going to be done in that year, and they know that the money is available to do those streets. That's how the street program is done. Well, in, in, in this particular case, what we've been doing, we've been putting money in the street program, but the streets are not being done. Right, right, because I know we had a problem with that a couple of years ago. Go ahead and speak on that. Yes, and, you know, uh, we, 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 we thought we had that fixed by going out and getting money because during my first tenure on council, I would tell citizens when they talk about street, we don't have the money, which we didn't. I talked about bonds up the first time, nobody didn't want to hear. But the next time I got on council when we talked about bonds, other council members understood that we need to get money and we can't use that for excuse. So right. that's why we got the $50 million bond based on $10 million a year for the next five years to put into streets along with us putting money in. So we figured that that is a figure that if we actually did the streets each year, you citizens would get to see that streets are being fixed and they're being fixed in a reasonable length of time. But what happened is the money was there, but the streets wasn't getting fixed. And right now, with this budget, they took the $10 million, put into streets. Well, the $10 million for last year, they, had, they, they went on refinance because they, did, they didn't use it because they know they couldn't use it. And there wasn't no use in selling the bonds and being stuck with the money. So right. they use it now. This year, they put the $10 million, and they've done $3.5 million out of the general fund meaning 13.5 million but the problem i have with that type of budgeting is you got money in streets program that you keep putting money in and when you're fixing streets and using the money is not in the way it was approved and what i mean by that so everyone can understand say for instance in district four we selected five streets at a total cost of $4 million. Well, if you start doing the streets in District 4 and you got a street that you're spending more money than was figured and allocated to you, then that you really don't have the money to fix all of the streets that's remaining on this list. So you figured using that analogy in four districts, you can see why if someone is not getting the accurate report on what you're spending on each street and let that be shown, then there's money could be spent or spent on something else. You really don't know because you're not getting the exact cost of the streets you fixed and the money you got left to ensure you fix the other remaining streets because each street you select that is a contingency fund built in that. So if you run over, you still have money for that street. Okay, so let and me so, so let go me ahead. Go, so let me go ahead and kind of just 
uh, sit on that point for a minute. So let me go ahead and get this straight. So for instance, if, say for instance, District 4 has a budget for $1 million to fix about three streets and okay. uh, say they're asphalt, but for some reason we do a street that's cement and um, that cost goes up to 800000 so you'll say that we won't have enough money to fix the other two streets that are left on that uh, list? Is that like a good example? That is, that is a good example that the citizens can understand. You know, uh, you got to stay with what was approved. And if the councilman was with the staff and they say you got this amount of money and they select the street in accordance with that amount of money per street, you have to fix that street with that money and you shouldn't go over it unless you go back to them and let them know. However, you gave the perfect example because that's what happened in this past year. We had streets in neighborhoods where all the streets are asphalt. You you done streets with cement. Well, you know, you, you're creating a big problem because you're doing a street in the neighborhood where they are asphalt streets. So, you know, the next people, when you fix their street, they go on cement too. Right, right, absolutely. And, and it's so, important that citizens kind of, you know, just understand these little nuances is and how they can drain out city money for uh, streets. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. You know, so that means that you're not managing the money and you're not spending the money in conjunction with what was approved by council. And the other thing is, if council these streets in advance for you to fix this upcoming year, you should have put those streets through design or uh, bids and contracts, but we got to have those streets fixed in that year. We can't continue to not get the bids out or not get the contracts out. You see, right now the biggest problem with streets is not funding, is management. So, right. back to this budget, because they have so much money that they haven't spent yet on streets. And I do believe if council gives them to give them a breakdown of every street that's been fixed, how much money was spent and how much money that is left in each district, what they're going to find is we got streets that we approve and the funding for them, but we actually don't have the funding for them right now. And we got all this money right now. So we need to use this money now, you mentioned in the beginning, I said the, the budget is designed to accomplish what you want to accomplish in the upcoming year, right? Yes, sir. So if you're going to take the $10 million that we got with the bond, you sold the bond, well, you put it into streets. But you got enough money now for this upcoming year. You're not going to be able to fix and use all that money. So why are you going to take three, $3.5 million out to reserves and put into streets when you know all of this money will not be exhausted because you're behind the power curve right now? But right. what you need to do is get streets fixed to the point that you need the money, and when you need the money, the money is there because the money would have been better off in the reserves and readily available to you than to putting it over here and is not being used 
and monitor for the intent for which it was approved and the program is designed. Now, isn't that the, the whole purpose of uh, balancing a budget is to like put money in a particular cause like uh, streets, then, hey, if you need some more, come back to the council, get it approved of so it can have transparency. Go ahead. That, that, and that is why we have the Texas Uniform Budgeting Law and federal laws and all these laws governing uh, uh, budgets and money, taxpayers' money, shall I say, and uh, acts like the Open Meeting Act to create transparency so that people see and know what their dollars are going to. So in this particular case, you know, if they were looking at what we could do next year, they know that we'll put the 10 million over here in the streets because we got it. But we know that with that 10 million and what we have left in the streets we got fixed, at the end of next year, I doubt seriously if all of that money gonna be exhausted. But you're now taking 7.5 million out of your reserves at this time. You're taking four point, I mean four million. And that's just one way I seen right off the top with this budget where if we budgeting for the upcoming year, that's what we should do, you know, for upcoming year. And each year, that's what you do. But you don't keep pushing money somewhere where you're pushing the money, but then you're not spending that money for that year and you keep pushing it. And then eventually we be in a cash 22 is well, where the money? Oh, there's no money left there. We were using money for this because no matter what you spend the money on, you're going to have invoices. But the problem here is, did you spend this money the way it was approved in your budget? Line item per line item, because that's what the law says. You should spend, expend the money in strict compliance with what items were approved in your budget. And I'm glad you said the law, right? Because I was wanting you to, to, to stress the importance of how the, how the city should manage and budget citizens' money. Now, this is not just a, um, a regular thing. It, 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 uh, uh, tell us how serious this is. This is really serious, isn't it? Well, well, well you know, that's the, that's the thing about budgeting. You know, and to, be, to tell you the truth, it's, it's very important that council members understand the basic policy and the law for governing taxpayers' money and budgeting for the simple reason that during the year, they're bringing you requests to approve money being spent, and they're giving you the funding for it where it's coming from. So you really can't track everything like that. But at the end of the year, at the end of the year is when everything comes to light. It's all come to light. And when it comes to light, it gives you a, a idea on what I'm going to look for in this next coming budget. And that's what I came up with, Steve, because I'm saying for what we had for this year past, we didn't do that. So the question is, why are we going to pop all this money back over there? But you didn't do it. What we have to do is 
start fixing streets. And if we fix the streets, the money is there. But if you put the money into the pot and they say the money is allocated, it's allocated, but it's it starts being hard to track and you can move it, okay? And you'll find in this budget, if council people would have looked and compared, and they should do the same thing that the city manager did. They should be comparing what the city manager is asking for the upcoming year with what is happening this current year, and they should be looking at what happened the preceding year when those figures are actual figures. That means at the end of the year they had gotten all the invoices they had out and they had paid everything they owe, and this is what it, it costs. And you have to have that. You know, if you follow this year's budget, you didn't see whereby there is any information being put out based on how we're going to end this current, well, the year just passed now because we're in October. Right. But how did we end? Did we have any significant uh, happiness in that budget for this year that's ended that could have helped us with this next budget? based on the current year and the preceding year. And one thing that would have stuck out like a sore thumb was the fact that throughout the year, and it's been happening for years, we've had a lot of positions that were not filled or we have people leaving during the year. Well, what happens is all of those positions are funded for the whole year. So if you're not going to hire these people and you're not going to fund them, you have to ensure that that money is not used in any other purpose unless it's brought back to the council. Right. Says, hey, you know, we're going to end up the year with a lot of money left for salary benefit because of these vacancies in which we didn't pay salaries and benefits. And we are projecting it's going to be X amount of dollars. Okay. Well, then council can look at okay, then we could use this money for, for this purpose or that purpose. Rather than going into a reserve, they could re, what they call reallocate the money. But it's council. And when council does that, then council understands what's happening. So next year, when we do the budget and we do that, I have a problem with paying for so many employees, salaries and benefits, and you don't hire people. We have too many vacancies throughout the year in this city. And it's been an ongoing thing. Keep saying, hire the people. Well, if they can't hire the people, what you need to do is make sure that they don't spend the money. Right. Because if they don't hire the people, what makes you think that's the main reason that they're not filling the position? Or no hurry to fill the position. Okay. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, your budget and being able to see what's happening this year, what happened the year before that year, and what's going to happen in the future year with determining whether we're going to put this money here. You know, uh, I see you you made a comment uh, on social media in reference to the contingency fund. Uh, you had a, 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 a drawing or something? Right, yeah. Yeah, I had. Yeah. Then, then, so, then, so, you know, that was something that 
I don't know how you picked it up, but it was something that I picked up. And it should have jumped out at council members when they've gone through the budget if they were actually looking at this budget here. The fund, the contingency fund is listed in the Port Arthur, city of Port Arthur budget as a special purpose fund. Yeah, give us the and definition of that. In most uh, budgets. Yes, give us the it's definition a, of the, the purpose of the contingency fund, please. Okay, the, the contingency fund is exactly what the word indicate and says. It's contingency. It means this is some money that is allowed within the budget laws and policies and procedures. This is money that you are allowed to put into a budget that you do not have a specific purpose for that money. In other words, any money that you put in the budget, anything you put in the budget, you have to fund it. But in this contingency fund, is money you put in, but you're not saying what it's for because it's supposed to be for an emergency, like a disaster, you need quick money uh, to buy something small. It's not a lot of money. And also, it's for in case you have something you could not see or you didn't foresee when you did the budget. So you could go into that money and get it. Now, most council members and staff will tell you it's the city manager's fund. It's not the city manager's fund. It's a contingency fund, and it is governed and managed by the city manager. It's managed by the city manager. But it's not a fund he just do what he wants with it, right. okay? Because, as it stated, it's a contingency, so if you go in and get it, it should be for something you could not foresee when you did the budget, and it should be, or it should be an emergency. That's the only time you should be spending money out of the contingency fund. In other words, you don't have to go to council for that, right? Well, eventually it's got to go to council because anytime you expend funds, you're going to have to have approval of council. You know, uh, let's say uh, they have the manager. He can uh, he can approve uh, contracts and stuff for less than 25000 without without going to council first. Okay? But eventually it should come to council. You know, so something you got to get approval before, some things he can do. That's so if he's taking less than $25,000 or a department has to spend less than 25000 then that doesn't have to come to council for approval before you spend it. You can spend it. But eventually it should come before council as expended and what you paid, okay? So that's one where you don't have to ask permission, but you still have to say what it was for and what you spent it on. You know, and that's something I think is misunderstanding where councilmen don't understand. This is transparent. All money spent must be known. So you must bring it to us. Right. On this you know, on this contingency fund I seen something way out of line when I looked at the budget, right? Normally I seen well, a couple of years that was for the like point that you made and the thing because of the amount. Well, if you look at the budgets for this past year, the amount they budgeted was seventy-two thousand five hundred. Now, if they 
have $72,500 in a contingency fund, then at the end of this year, what should have been estimated spent out of that fund should have been anything equal to or less than $72,500. But if you look at this budget that was presented to council, they are estimating last year that that contingency fund, they spent $1,188,000 and something out of it. Wow. That's that's a no-no because the first question council members should have asked is, one, where did this extra money come from? Two, who approved it? So, you know, unless council uh, understands how to look at a budget, how to ensure that what the manager is presenting to us, that is what we know is best for this upcoming year on how we're going to, what kind of service we're going to provide to the citizens, how we're going to operate, and how we're going to maintain, and how we're going to pay our people. All these things are what council has to ensure that is done in the best manner for citizens and the city not the manager and staff because the manager is responsible for preparing the budget and presenting the budget to council. But it's up to council to understand the direction the city is going, what they want to accomplish in the upcoming year, and to ensure that that money is going to be spent to cover the priorities in the city and address these major issues that citizens are, con- are concerned about. I put, use the word concern. And when you see a budget being presented and there's no question, then you're getting a take from what how the staff and the manager sees it as opposed to now how citizens would view spending that money in this coming year. Would the citizens want to take $75 million out of their savings uh, to balance the budget when you're telling them that I'm going to increase spending in some of the departments, so spending is going to go up this year, and I'm going to add 10 new positions. And you went through the whole year with a whole bunch of vacant positions, but you had 10 positions. Now, if you were a citizen, would you say, okay? Because if you follow most cities, if they was in that position where they had $7.5 million difference in what they planned to spend, and what they plan, what they think they're going to bring in, the first thing, wait a minute, we need to start cutting expenditures. Some cities will go to where they freeze jobs for a certain period of time or maybe for the whole year. Some cities may cut jobs, okay? But we didn't do things to indicate that. And what the council had to understand is you used $5.4 million the previous year to balance that budget. And when you think about that budget, you can understand it because you had one, you had the pandemic. So you're not going to get the type of revenue like sales tax as you would when you budgeted. See, because that budget for this past year was made prior to the pandemic. I mean, not this year, but the year before. It was passed before the pandemic started, which means when the pandemic hit, you didn't have money in the budget to deal with that. You didn't have the, the tax revenue that you projected because 
stores were closed, restaurants were closed, so you weren't getting the tax revenue. So when you don't get the taxable revenue, then you know you're not going to have what you predicted you were. So that's why here before last, when they done a five four to balance the budget out of the reserve, it wasn't something you could really say, oh, my God, because of what happened. But now this year budget that just passed, just passed, we had been pretty much open the whole year almost, and we had increased in sales taxes. So we should have gotten revenue comparable to what we had prior to the pandemic. So if you want to take $7.5 million out of your reserve this year, you have to understand that that's $12.9 million taken out in one year. That's from the time you balanced that last, the year before balance and the passing year balance. In one year, that's 12.9. So you, your reserves, which we refer to fund balance, the reserve went from 32.9 million to 20, 20 million in one year. So if if you put yourself in a position like that, you don't know what the upcoming year going to bring, but you have to be prepared. So if you're going to start taking money out of the fund balance like that, you got to make sure that you've looked at all of the ways you can reduce expenditures for the upcoming year, keeping in mind the service to citizens you will not reduce. The service you provide to citizens should be a quality. But all these other things, you should look at cutting them. Do we need to hire people if we that far away? Maybe not this year. If we went so far without them and we got that much of a difference, why hire somebody? So that's what council has to understand that when that budget is presented to them, they can't just say, okay, they have to take a look at uh, protecting the city and making sure that we be in a position where we don't have to worry about going below what is required by the states with having uh, uh, six days of operational money on hand. And those type things there are a big concern. This budget, I, I just don't see where we really took a look at what our priority is because drainage, right. you know, when I look at this budget, I don't see any money allocated to the four major drainage projects here in the city. Well, three, about two and a half years ago, we told everybody in the city that we got approval for these four drainage uh, uh, projects, and we were going to get started on them. We haven't done anything yet, and my latest conversation with the city manager says that they are questioning two of the projects. However, two of the projects, they say, go ahead on and do. Well, we need to do those projects, and if we're going to do those projects, they need to be shown in this year's budget as a capital improvement project and how much money we, we're going to have allotted to spend for this project. So, so hold on for a minute. Hold, hold on for a minute. Let me get this straight. So you're saying with all of the problems we've been having with flooding, right, 
with all of these issues with flooding, citizens been coming up, talking to the city manager, the council members, all this stuff about flood, uh, flooding. Council has approved drainage issues, and you're saying that they have not done anything or very little on those projects, right? Uh, what I'm saying, of the four major projects that we uh, told the city and citizens that, you know, we these are major drainage projects, and we do this, we're going to stop a lot of flooding in these particular areas, and these particular areas where they was flooding a lot. So we're going to do this, and we said we had applied for money, and we put in the matching funds that were necessary, and we were told the projects were approved. Well, it's two and a half years later, and now, if you ask, they're saying, well, they've been changing the rules, and they they don't want to give us the money for these two projects, but they say these two projects are all okay. We could do those projects, and, you know, you could go ahead with it. Well, all this should have been known a wow. long time before, and we should have at least done these two projects that we can do. Exactly. But, you know, we get to where we're dealing with the federal government and they saying something and we are not staying on top of it or we're not reacting. And what I mean by that, we should have done the two projects and continue to fight for the other two as time passed. But we don't don't do none of the projects and wait till they approve all four of them. We don't need all four. We need to get to work. Exactly. You think there will be common sense. There you go. And, and and that's what I'm saying about three. So when we've done a budget, we have to understand what is our project. So we got to talk about that. Because a lot of times when we approve something, right, and it doesn't come out, you know, you only have X amount of dollars invested in that project. But since the time of approval, you may have to increase the matching funds. Well, if you have to increase the matching fund, then that should have been put into this year's budget. Now, if you don't, then that's not a problem, but that should have been lifted as a capital improvement project. And that way, everybody is aware of what's going on and it's transparent because I know now we this is how much money we actually have been given and this is how much money we spent to match this to do this. But you approve it and forget about it and nobody's doing nothing about it. There's no tracking and there's nothing being done. So you so council has to be able to ask questions when you're doing a budget. Hey, what about these uh, uh, drainage projects? You know, let us know. Because if you gonna need some more money to match, then we need a budget. You see, because if you just keep fighting to do all four and they're telling you, we ain't going to give you no more money than that, do these two. Well, you need to do those two, but you need to tell them these are two. We got this amount of money, this is how much we allocate, we're going to get it done. You know, it, it, it's so much with the money. I'm a firm believer that if you don't track the money, once you allocate it, then it could be uh, eaten away a little bit at a time. Absolutely, or absolutely. Some of it could be taken and used mm. for another purpose 
if you don't continue to track and have people to report and tell you where it's at. And that's why I'm against keep putting all of this money into streets that you're saying is allocated. But is it, are you the streets that we gave you money to fix or are you fixing other streets? You know, every street that's fixed has been one that was approved by the council and the money you use should not exceed what they approved. And if it does exceed, you got to go back to them before you go any farther for them to give you additional monies. Okay. Right. So council so, need to do their job in overseeing everything, right? Not just listen to the city manager and not worrying about it. They have to be actually involved in the process and know what's going on, right? They have to, they have to understand the budget process in order to determine whether the money for this coming year is going to be toward our concerns, toward our main priorities, and in a fashion that we know how much and what, and that it should be monitored when you're spending it. It should be transparent. So, you know, if you don't understand that and if you're not willing to uh, get the training or read, you could read the budget laws, really. You could, you could Google, you know, Texas, state of Texas budget law and uh, go to the controller, uh, state controller's webpage and look at budget. But you could read where they could tell you a lot about the requirements with a budget, you know, it, they, and they specify and they harp on, you got to spend the money in strict compliance of the items you approved. They didn't say the total amount. It says item. In other words, if you put $5 for administration in parks, then that's the most that you should spend in administration in parks unless it's going to take money for it don't take money from somewhere else. It should be in a fashion that is transparent. Right, People absolutely. know you're moving the money. You see? Because if you move the money from one place to another, the reason it should be reflected in the budget has changed because next year, when I'm looking at these numbers, I want to see the actual numbers that you spent on that line out. I don't want you to tell me you spent $5 on that line item when I know that you took $5 and gave it somewhere else and didn't use it. Because if you don't use the $5 I give you, I'm not going to give you $5 this next, this coming year because you didn't use the $5 the last time. So evidently you don't need the $5. And that's why I said it from the first time I've got on council and seen budget in this. We don't actually know how about how much it costs to run this city because we've never actually find out how much we actually spend. Now, the problem with not doing it where you hold people accountable to manage money is you don't know you're putting all this money out there. So why should a director or anybody worry about wasting money or mismanaging money when they know I got enough money to last me the year. So right. that is another reason why you have to be very meticulous in how you 
have people to request what it takes to operate and to function because too much money does not call for management, and it can be a good reason for abuse and waste. But when someone don't have a lot of money, then they're going to manage. It's like you. You know, if somebody gave you a million dollars, then you'll be spending and buying a whole bunch of stuff you won't. But not if you only get $100,000. You're going to be careful of how you spend it. Right. And actually, the, uh, uh, the budget should be a blueprint on how you run the city, so to speak, right? If you have a good budget, you should be able to forecast and see things that will help you manage the city. That's right. And and now that, but we won't be wasting material or mismanaging or uh, uh, not spending the money as allocated if everybody is held accountable, just like the city manager. Once council approved that budget, they should hold him accountable to spend that money exactly as it was approved, not well, move it around or anything like that. No, just as we approve it, it's the way you spend it. If you're going to spend it any differently, you need to come to us first. But see, when council members don't understand the importance of that, then you lose track and control of the dollars. Instead of you being part of the system of management now, you're just being a disciple and amen in the spending of it, whether it's as it was approved or as it's being spent. Right. Let, let, let me go ahead and put an example out here, and I want to see if you agree to it. Now, say for instance, this is my opinion, right? The budget is so important in things like that, right? Say, for instance, if you have the proper amount of money allocated for streets and if the city manager needs more money to go ahead and fix the streets and they come to council, that would spark a conversation on, hey, what's going on? What needs to be done? Why you need this? Uh, the council could probably kind of find any kind of um, inconsistencies or errors and probably try to solve it. That, that, that budget is so important, man, because it brings out it brings out conversations about what's going on. For instance, the drainage also. Hey, you need some more money on the drainage, you go to council. Now it's a topic for council for a discussion. More people's going to take a look at it. And that can kind of rectify a lot of things. And it keeps counseling to know. And they can also be on top of things better. Overall, a better budget when it when it's operated how it's supposed to be. It'll have its, it's built-in checks and balances where, hey, the checks and balances could spark questions in council's minds. So, hey, if something's not going on right, they need to keep an eye on it. They can better probably provide the service to the customer. Do you agree with that? Well, I agree with it because I think you gave a good uh, example, but I think you missed the most important part of that example. If you do it the way you just explained, the citizens can see that. Right. The citizens also. The citizens can know how and why we're spending money. That's important. I everything you said was good, but when you say the council can see and no, also citizens. Absolutely. That's why Absolutely. all of this that's why 
it's con- all uh, motions and, and voting is done in an open meeting. You can't do right. it in closed meetings because they want citizens to hear it. There you okay? go. Yes, sir. There you so go. what you said is true, but it brings about trust and confidence from citizens when citizens know how you're spending the money. And if you want more money, I have always said, I would rather you come back to me and ask for more money because I want to know why you need more money. But if I give you all of this money in the beginning, you know, you could do as you choose with it, even if you didn't need that much. And I've always said it. Exactly. Uh, if you watch a few budget cycles ago uh, when I was on council, so I told <laughs> I told the council and, and, and citizens that I felt these departments were padded, that, that their budgets were padded, that they would get more money than actually it takes to operate. And, you know, I, the manager's kind of upset with me, and he didn't agree with me, but I don't care. He didn't agree with me because it was his uh, budget, uh, budget he had prepared to present to us, but it was our budget as council to approve it, and I gave my opinion of it because I'm a firm believer you, you you just keep adding money every year to these departments, but I don't see any service or anything requiring more money. And if you keep giving all this money, right. there's no need for them to manage the money. They could just do what they want because why? Yeah, I got waste. a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So that's my thing. And then at the end of the year, you don't tell me really how much money that I spent, you spent, in contrast to what you brought in. Because that is never known until probably around January uh, of the uh, year. Because it takes them about three months before they get everything in and pay everything and then be able to balance it, you know, to find out how that year ended. So the year ends 30 September, but it takes about January. And I think the state uh, budget law requires by January that they have reconciled it to the point that they actually could tell you how much was spent in each item. You know, that's what they're supposed to do. But when that is done, that also gives you a good idea. So basically the best gauge you have is when you look at these actuals, okay? Because actuals are supposed to be what they spent, you see? So that's a good gauge, you know, what they spent. Because if right. you take a look at actuals, it actually tell you. And that's how, when I do a budget, I go back and use them two preceding years before that current year. And I look at what we were spending, and then I look at what you estimate we're going to spend it that year, then I'm looking at what you're proposing. If you're proposing something that's way out of whack with these two actuals, I'm going to ask you, why for two years this is about the money we was using, and all of a sudden you want this kind of money? Unless you're telling me you're finna buy a truck, or you're finna buy a machinery that costs money, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to buy that big increase. And see, that's the problem we have. So when you have these workshops on a budget, and you don't and you don't address questions and, and that's in this budget, then you know, some way or another, you haven't done your due diligence 
And when they ask you for seven point five million, you say okay. And they're giving pay raises, they're giving increasing positions, and departmental uh, money is being increased. That's taxpayers' money. You have got to be the last standing block for us as taxpayers, and as the council, you know. And I don't. The manager's gonna bring whatever he wants. That's his job. He is the manager. He he knows what he wants, what he needs, and he got stamped and he's working with. But at the end of the day, our voices are these council representatives. So they have to question this, and they have to make sure that you don't get what you want. We're going to give you what you need. And what you need is going to be based on what the citizens are concerned about and and, and the priorities and the priorities we as council have set for you. And what do we want to accomplish this next year? That is what our budget is going to be. And I'm going to go down here and I'm going to look at it. And that's what it should reflect. And if you talk about going to the fund balance, then I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out the microscope then because I do not want to take any money out of that fund that is necessary. I will not take money out there just because somebody wants them. No. You're gonna have to tighten your belt up before I give you that. Absolutely. And that's and, and that's something that I just was surprised at our budget process in this budget is that, you know, I, I think that's a lot, well, I don't think that's the largest amount of money I've ever seen coming out of fund balance to balance the budget. 5.4 was the highest I've seen, but like I said, that 5.4 year before last was because the pandemic had hit, right, right. and we had expenses that we didn't incur, plus uh, we didn't get the tax bills that we had, you the tax money, because we know Businesses were closed, and, and and they weren't getting sales, you know. So I could see us having to go in and get a, a, a large amount of money. And the other thing that I don't think was addressed in this budget was the enterprise fund. I'm talking water utilities right. and solid waste, okay? Those two have been operating in a negative. Well, what citizens have to understand and what council has to understand that this is something that got to be fixed. You cannot continue to do that because anytime you fall short in solid waste or in water utilities, it costs you more to provide water. And if it's costing you more for the solid waste, the garbage and trash, if it costs more, to provide those services, then it's costing, then the revenue you get from it, you have to fix it. You have to fix it. And you either got to raise the rates or you have to fix the problem. Now, they talk about rates here in Port Arthur, and I'm a firm believer in, you know, if we got to raise rates, citizens bark, I'm sorry, but we want to provide quality service. Right. You got to get it. But as long as the trash and garbage can't be picked up 
as scheduled, as long as you get your water turned out because some main broke, uh, if we can't get water uh, water bills straight until we fix those things, we can't ask citizens to pay more because we're not providing quality service. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, in in other words, if you in the negative, you got to take a look at why you in the negative. If you in the negative because you you losing a lot of water, you need to put money in the budget to fix some pipes and stop losing that much water, so that you don't have to pay for that. You see, and you have to get uh, the bills straight so that you don't have to keep giving all these adjustments. You know, so. You got to keep your trust running or buy you a new fleet so you don't keep putting money in it or you can't be paying people overtime. We're paying people overtime constantly to pick up trash or garbage when it's not a pick up a trash day. Oh, and worst case so, scenario is we're paying other cities to help us do it too. Yeah, so you see, we got to fix those things first because if we fix those things right, then maybe these utility, water utilities and, and, and uh, solid waste, maybe they will pay for themselves with the fee that we're charging now. But, you know, when someone starts talking, we need to raise the rate because of other cities is this. It, it's not about other cities. It's about this city. And it's about what is our problem. You know, if it's costing so much to provide service to citizens, is it because of the cost to provide it, or is it because you got so much stuff broke that you're always fixing and it costing so much to maintain, or you're losing water? Those are not citizens' problems. So you can't say that you're not collecting enough money from citizens until you fix the problem. So what council has to do is when you're doing a budget, those are the type of things you have to address when they get to the enterprise fund. The enterprise funds are key because those are the ones that have been operating in the negative for too long. Those are the ones that you have to look at. You know, I don't want to hear is in the negative. What I want to hear is what is in this budget to fix some of these problems to close this gap. Because if you keep closing the gap, then you can eventually get it whereby the fees are paying for the service without raising the rates. But, you know, for some reason, they, they keep saying because uh, it's in the red, uh, it's the fees that, well, not necessarily, you know. Until you get your problems fixed, that is costing money, you can't say citizens need to raise the rate so that you get there because you want to get there on their backs as opposed to what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to provide to them. That's the thing. That's what council member has to understand when they're sitting here. See, because this, this is a time of year when everything that's going to be decided going next year, now is the time you get everybody focused on what we're going to be doing in that coming year. How are we going to get this fixed? Do we need money? Okay, let's put money into it. 
You can't fix a problem by not doing nothing. Even if you have to do a certain section of town where maybe there's a lot of it, fix those lines first. Put money in there, fix those lines. You know, when you look at your capital improvement project, they're supposed to reflect the needs of the city. Right. The needs of the city. They're not supposed to be bright ideas. They're supposed to be the needs, and these needs are supposed to be based on priorities. So, you know, it's, it's something that all of this is what I go back to talk about, and I think the discussion would have taken place. I think that budget in the end would have been a little different. I'm not, because, and I don't want citizens to, to think that we got a terrible budget. Right. No, we don't. But we have a budget that has some significant flaws in it that should have been fixed and it should have been fixed in a manner in which money that we need to spend, we're going to spend. Right. We're going to spend it this next year to make sure that they get the best service that we can provide and make sure that we can operate. But we don't do a budget based on what we want. And until you can say that you have addressed this water utilities and, and landfill, you know, we've come out with a lot of solutions. I think the landfill putting a scale out there, uh, I think that's now going to bring the landfill where you could get it out the red and have it to make money. Hopefully. But, but with water utilities, you know, if you still got these lines that's constantly breaking and you're losing water when they break, and when you lose water from the water line, it's like a double whammy because chemicals are so expensive to treat this water that that water you're losing is treated water. Right. It's treated. You spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on chemicals to treat this water that's just running. But that water you're losing that you spend all that money on treating, that's what citizens pay the water bills to make sure that they have water. So that is why when you got a lot of water lines that need to be replaced and stuff like each year in a budget, you're supposed to have something addressing it. So how they say that? You eat the elephant a bite at a time. You can right. eat it all at one certain. Right. Absolutely. But you can't eat the elephant if you let it sit there saying that I can't eat it, it's too big. Yeah. Yeah, true. No, true. but if you start a bite at a time, you can eat that elephant. Yeah. That's the same scenario with the uh with the uh budget. And and like I said, you know, I don't I don't remember in the time I've been involved in uh city government, that's probably ten years now. I don't ever remember the city going back to back with uh deficit where they actually bounce the budget out of reserves yeah. two years in a row wow. I don't I don't recall any wow. you know so uh, that's something that they should have took in consideration that if they really had to do it it should have been at a minimum amount but 7.5 million dollars and I could tell you if you look at the capital improvement projects uh, really, that's not the that's not the 
the real cause for needing seven point five million dollars. Right. Yeah. Because if you look at capital improvement projects, they are things done. that you want to do, but you're funding them. Yeah. You know, that seven point five million dollars, if if you listen to everything it was said, they need the seven point five million dollars to do the capital improvement projects. You know, counselors should have stopped right then and said, No, that's not the case because when you do the expenditures, you're doing all the revenues. Then when you're done all your expenditures, you said you are $7.5 million more than what you projected to take in. It's not just because of your capital improvement project. It's because of your raise. It's because of you increasing spending. It's because you had new positions. So if I'm counseling, I'm going to tell you, no, that's not why you did. So let's take a look at what you got and see how much we could cut. Yeah. That's it, because I was going my first year in council. Uh, uh, the manager was uh, Mr. Fitzgibbon. He yeah, told yeah. us that we have a deficit of $4.8 million. And I remember uh, the council members that experienced Albright and Williamson, they tell us, oh, city manager, you got to go back and look at cutting. And then the next week, because we would do workshops every week, I mean, we'll do like six, seven workshops before a budget is approved, now they only doing like two. You yeah. can't communicate, and you can't go over this thing enough. You know, exactly. you need a lot of workshops so you could keep getting at it and getting at it and getting at it till you finally got it right. But anyway, the next week he came to us and said, "Okay, now we're looking at two point eight million." <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's the way the council is supposed to be. You know, you supposed to, you come to me, you say, "Okay, this is what I got." It's like, okay, then good. We're not going to give you that much. Go back and you take another look at what you can cut. And then after you finish cutting, come back to us, and then we're going to look at what we think we can cut. And then after both of us have cut what we think we can cut without taking away from the service and accomplishing what we hope to accomplish that coming year, then We'll see if we need money. And if we do, then we'll give you that money. That's the way a budget is supposed to work. Right. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and now that, but citizens are hearing all of this, okay? Right. It's all in the open. You know, so if you talk about a budget for four or five workshops, you know, citizens have got a chance to hear what's going on and see what's going on. But, you know, you got a workshop now in the public here, and then you have a workshop now in the public here, and then you want to approve the budget. You know, even council. I think maybe council could have looked at it a little harder if it happened. And that's all, once again, with council, because council should set a date for that city manager to present his budget so that they will have enough time to really work with the staff and the manager to make sure that we have a, a budget that is uh, uh, suitable to the manager, the staff, the council, and the citizens of Port Arthur. Right, that, is the, that is the goal to achieve. Yes, sir, absolutely. And I, uh, and I want to go ahead and hit, like, one more question before we um, and move on to the EDC. But uh, the final oh, question on, oh. the, on the budget, what's, what's your view on the, on the uh, upcoming year? What's that? The EDC? 
No, the budget. This will be the last question on the budget. What's your views on the upcoming year? Then we can go ahead and go to the EDC. Okay. What I see in this coming year, unless council really getting to monitoring the spending uh, and especially getting a control street program, where they are, how much money we got, what we're doing, and having them to keep reporting on how much you spent and on what on the, uh, I would say a monthly basis, okay? I I don't see whereby we're going to actually be able to manage this money. I think some of it is going to fall through cracks again, or I think it's going to be left on a shelf at the end of the year and, you know, uh, what happens with it after that and how it's spent, you know, it's going to be a toss-up. So, you know, unless council takes a more active role in monitoring and receiving reports where it's critical. Now, where is it critical? It's critical where the priorities are. So if streets is a priority, then, you know, at this point, when you got that much money, you start bringing okay uh drainage okay i want to know exactly where we are i know exactly what you're doing and i want to know exactly what we're spending so i, I mean not a weekly but a bi-weekly because you meet every other week so every council meet i want you to come and give me a briefing on it where we are it don't have to be no 30 minute deal just down it this is how much we spent this is what we've done this these last two weeks we went from here to here because if they do that, then you know they're moving. But if they come in there and they haven't gotten where they moved, now it's time for you to start letting them know it's unacceptable. So uh, if we don't take the approach that you have to monitor this and these priorities, you don't put all this money out there now, and you better, you better, you better track it. And the only way you can track it, you got to track it on a regular basis. Uh, because if you don't, it's going to be just like we've been in the past. And I'm going to say that we put a lot of money out, but we did not accomplish the things that we set out to, uh, the things that we uh, wanted to achieve. Because that's just like a capital improvement plan. You know, why put something on there uh, and don't get it done? If you don't get it done this year, that's not a problem because, like, it's only a plan. It's a plan. Right. But if you didn't get it done this year, if it's important, then you slide it over to the coming year, okay? Yeah. You slide it over. And if you didn't get it done and you don't have money to do it and you change your mind and say, well, we don't have money to do it, hey, let's just scrap it, then you take it out of your plan. But you don't start a new plan every year, <laughs> uh, of that year, that plan. What you're gonna do should have been planned, you know. And it's also based on what you didn't do the previous year, and what you're gonna do. So you know, until we start uh, following and and having people to account for us, you know, we're not gonna be making it. And uh, you taking seven point five million dollars to balance a budget, I tell you, you know. Uh, they should, they should, they should understand that is a big deal because if next year is like this year, then you might be asking for eight, nine million dollars yeah. to balance your budget. 
Because why? You you didn't institute anything to correct the deficit from the 5.4 the previous year. You went from 5.4, which is seemingly high, but like I said, the pandemic was involved with that one. But then you get a 7.5. Right. Just for and, capital and things were better. Things were better than when you done the 5.4. Things were better. You had more revenue after you did the 5.4 than you're doing now. So, you know, when you're using past data and current data and you're looking at the future data, it's no afraid the stars don't line up. So absolutely, the only way we're going to hold and have a good year, we're going to have to really uh, become more accountable and uh, citizens uh, deserve us, well, not us, but them now yeah. as elected officials to, to know about these things and understand you can't okay everything. You have to be able to speak for us. You have to be able to protect our dollars. You don't spend our dollars the way you want. And if you don't know how to spend it, there are policies, procedures, ordinance, codes, state and federal laws that tells you how to do it. There's no reason not to do a budget properly. There's too too much information out there that you can turn to and resort to. I truly believe that the council, after this budget, they need to have someone to come in and give them training on the budget before they do next year's budget because, you know, uh, next year's budget, if they got a basis on this year, you know, it could be pretty complicated. Yeah. So, you know, my thoughts is that, you know, uh, council uh, get training, become more involved with the uh, budget. Uh, the, The manager and staff understands that, the budget is not a time when you get to do or do things you want, but you must consider the services you're going to have to provide in that coming year to citizens as a priority. Uh, you have to understand how much it's going to cost you to do that, and then you have to be very prudent at other things that you can do. You just have to understand you only have so much money, you know, uh, but you don't want to do something that's going to cause you to go into your reserves to the tune of $7.5 million. That's just, I mean, what citizens can do, they could just Google City of Beaumont budget and just look at the first six, seven, eight, nine pages and go to Baytown, go to uh, uh, other cities and, and, and look at the budget and you get a good idea that, you know, you don't see some of the things you're going to see in our budget. Right. You know, uh, some of the calls for these departments, uh, you know, and that's like I'm always said, you're padding the department because when I looked at comparable cities, you know, I didn't see uh, a lot of this money that was put in these uh, departments and they were serving the same size cities, you know, in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, you just have to uh, uh, understand that it's, you have to know where you got to tighten your bell up because when you tighten your belt, you got to make sure that the squeeze does not 
go on citizens because that's that's who everybody works for. Right. And that's who everybody have to have in mind. Everything uh, uh, elected officials do has benefit for citizens. But as we found out uh, at all levels, not just municipal, you got some that's they in it for themselves. So it is what it is. But then if citizens can't follow and watch these meetings and see what they say and how they vote, that's the only way you're ever going to get right. You know, you're going to have to have people that when somebody bring a budget that they have some experience with budgeting before or two, three people that have it. Everybody don't have to have all the knowledge. It's good when a council is made up with people from various backgrounds because uh, so many things come forward. It's good to have somebody who has experience who can kind of lead the rest, you know, but somebody has got to hit the book. And, and, and be able to understand what does it say, you know, uh, uh, what's written. It's written for a reason. It's written because that's the way to do it, to do it right. Any right. other way, it, it may not work. And the key to all that is following the, the policy and procedures. Let's go ahead on and jump on this EDC issue. What's going on with the with the EDC and um in this interim CEO fiasco, first was Floyd Batiste, now we have Mr. Davis. I thought it was Floyd. <laughs> Tell us about what's going on with this, man. I know this is another good topic. Okay. The EDC fiasco is council and the city attorney not understanding how the EDC operate and Understanding that they are the state law that governs the EDC, the corporation. EDC, for a lot of citizens' uh, information may not know, it's a nonprofit governmental corporation. That's what it is, a nonprofit governmental corporation, and they have a law for the state of Texas that governs all of them. So the, they are to operate under this law and how they operate at the corporation level is set by bylaws. The bylaws that they operate by is in support of the law of state of Texas and one that is unique to what they do, but those bylaws are approved by the council. So, their bylaws are not bylaws that they made up and approved. These bylaws are bylaws that were drawn up to support what the state required, how they operate, and them operating unique to Port Arthur, and the council reviewing that bylaw and saying, yes, that's the way we want you to operate. Now, once that happens, then it's the council responsibility to ensure that everything they do is by those bylaws and the state of Texas law. And I think we had people on council and some people thinking that because the council is responsible for that EDC, that the council dictates and running, okay? And that's what the fiasco all started about because first it was council wanting to change it to B and put council members on it. Why you want council members yeah, on it? Yeah, type B, I think, yeah. 
you already oversee everything they do. Every contract they sign is approved by the council. Every contract. So they can't do a contract without council's approval. So why would council worry about what they do? Because everything they do is going to come to us anyway. So when it gets here, either we approve or we disapprove it. That is the relationship. Now, the state of Texas' law governing economic development nonprofit corporations in the state of Texas, the law states that the mayor or the mayor representative, the manager or the manager representative may attend any closed session of the economic development corporation. They just can't vote or have a discussion in it, okay? However, they can set in. And the reason the law allowed them to set in to ensure that they are operating under the law of Texas and their bylaw and to ensure that what they're saying council is actually happening. But it doesn't say that they can go down there and get into a discussion. And, but they give them the right to go into the executive session. That's by the law. So you have all the opportunities to find out what goes on behind closed doors. The other thing is you can attend all their meetings. In fact, if they would t- attend their meetings, they would understand these projects when they're coming to them and they understand what's happening and how they do business. But they won't attend meetings, but they want to dictate. So what happened was it all started with uh, the dictation and everything. Well, you have a, a disgruntled employee filing the grievance, and the grievance is handled in a fashion that, you know, uh, uh, the CEO wasn't happy about it and wasn't going about it. And I never understood why it happened, but to let the citizens understand, the city attorney directed the law firm that handles the case to do an investigation of a grievance. Well, a grievance should have been handled through EEOs. Well, the, the, the employee talks to board members and council members, and board members and council members are talking to the city attorney, the attorney uh, uh, telling them and giving them direction. Now, the direction she's giving them is not coming from the council. So that's the first thing I think create a fiasco because to the attorney making decisions and initiating things, then the council doesn't think. It, the council dictates and directs okay. on that thing. The other thing is, I don't know why it was an issue because it wasn't a legal thing and it was a typical grievance that should have been handled. But yeah, that's kind of what that I was, point, that's kind, Yeah, that's kind of what I was wanting to ask. Um, so you're saying the city attorney has directed the EDC's attorney to go ahead and hire a private investigator to go ahead and do an investigation on the grievance. Well, Has this ever happened at the city before? The same thing? It's no, a regular employee? No. Well, see, the thing is, what, what, and the reason I think it should have been to the council first, because they, they ever had an employee at EDC who was fired before. And that particular employee who was fired placed the grievance 
against the CEO. When they went to the to uh, HR for the city, they referred the employee to the EEOC. Okay. Well, right. You got a grievance against the CEO. It should have been done the same way. But in this particular case, you got uh, board members, council members, calling the city attorney, getting involved with this because of the relationship with this employee. And it just throws everything out of whack. But what resulted from that is when the when the uh, city attorney said, told the uh, EDC attorney that they should get an investigator, they ended up getting an investigator where the board didn't even approve hiring the investigator. They hadn't approved the the, the money that's wow. going to be paid. And then council so right didn't approve then, it on top of that. That's a violation of the state law and how they operate because, one, it should have been a contract done with that individual, and that contract should have been first approved by their board, and then because of the contract, all contracts are approved to the uh, uh, with the council. So you see, you had to do a resolution and let the board approve hiring this person because if you had a if you approve hiring them, then they would have had to do a contract, and in the contract, it would have been how much you're gonna pay the person. Okay. Well, they done an investigation when it was over with. When they paid, they didn't pay the lawyer. They paid the firm that the lawyer worked for. So you have somebody you done hired, you done paid, and never been proved by the board or the city council. So here you see you have a fiasco with the EDC and the city because you have the city attorney getting involved with the EDC and its attorney without first always bringing these things to the council and see what the council director to the city attorney is going to be. You know, you just don't jump out here and make decisions or do things like that without a director from your council, and your council must be briefed on it because, as I stated earlier, the council is the overall person in charge of ensuring that that corporation follows the state law and their bylaws. Yeah, but you're right. The city attorney must understand what the bylaws states. So if the bylaws states that all contracts must be approved by city council, then right then she just uh, known that they can't hire nobody unless eventually it comes to the to the council. So that that was one thing. The other thing you see is. When council did approve this budget, if you go back to the budget approval, they the EDC budget is a different ordinance. It's, it is presented in conjunction right. as part of the city budget, but it actually is a separate budget, and it, and it has its own ordinance. But when it was time to approve the EDC ordinance, the, uh, the council, a council member asked the city attorney, can we put this deputy position back in here and let the new person come on board as the CEO, let this person decide if they want the position or not, rather than taking it out with the un outgoing guy saying it not come out. And also this 
employee position that was reclassified, can we reclassify that back? Because I don't think this was done right. Well, here's the deal. The city attorney said that. She says, yes, no, they can't. Because the state law talks about how they do a budget, and then their bylaw says how to do a budget, and both of them say the budget is done by the CEO presented to the board, and the board must approve it, and then it goes to council for council approval. So basically the bylaw says the board and council must approve it. So when the board approves it and send it to council, when council made those changes, they were in fact violating the bylaws because now you just made a change that you are approved, that you are voting to approve, but they have not, as a board, approved those changes. So right then you are violating the bylaws and you got an attorney here. So basically what all of this is doing is making changes and people are doing what they want to do instead of understanding what the law says and what the bylaws says. And the city attorney should know the bylaws and not make a decision based on what you would do for the city because the EDC is not the city. The EDC is a governmental nonprofit corporation that is governed by the state law and bylaws and they can actually act on behalf of the city when it comes to selling bonds, leasing property, selling property, and renting property. They can do all of this on behalf of the city. The only, the only requirement is that everything they do, it goes to the council for final approval. Right. But the council does not do these things. Those are the responsibility that goes to the EDC. And that's what the city attorney and the council fail to understand. They need to read the law that governs the Economic Development Corporation for which they have to follow and they should read the bylaws that governs it here in Port Arthur that was approved by a council. And if you don't like something in the bylaws as a seating council, then you request a meeting with the EDC you tell them how you feel about it, and you ask that they amend their bylaws. And they amend their bylaws, send it back to you, and you approve it. Everybody's happy because at the end of the day, the council is responsible for ensuring that they follow the state law governing the, Econ the Economic Development Nonprofit Corporation of the state of Texas, and also that they follow the bylaws that are approved by the city council of the city of Port Arthur. But it don't say they get to do what they want from the city hall. So right now, that's the biggest issue they have. It's just like the uh, the, the, the the deal when they had the the uh, when they appointed Ike Mills for interim direction. Director, someone should have stepped up and said, "That's wrong. We we cannot 
appoint anybody for which a position don't exist. Right. That was another example of action being taken without consideration for the state laws and the Board of Economics Development Bylaws. You have to have a position and a salary in which to hire somebody. You got to have that before you can hire them. So when people start dictating what goes down there and you're not doing it as a in reference to what's written, all you create is problems and discord. You know? Right. And, and, and what's going on with the um, with the interim CEO? Why do they why is the interim CEO going to run it now? Or what happened to Mr. Batiste? Is Batiste running? Did they switch on him or what happened right there? You oh know? well you know Mr. Batiste uh has stayed in his last day was uh thirtieth of September and he had actually uh offered his uh services to the board of directors uh that he could come in uh fifteen hours a week and continue with their projects so that they will have uh all that project still going on while they search for the new CEO and everything. Some they had a couple board members that thought that he should write grants, and he said that's not what I was going to do. So a little thing, but the board, the board approved keeping him on for like 15 hours a week. He wouldn't be the CEO; he would just work the projects for him while they search for a new CEO. Well, during a joint meeting of council and the board of economic development, they decided they would they would hire Mr. Davis, uh, George Davis, to be the interim. CEO while they search for to hire a CEO. Uh, Mr. Davis, as we all know, he was actually hired about two and a half years ago uh, strictly for the purpose of eventually becoming the CEO. Uh, The position of deputy uh, director was actually created to allow a person to serve and train to become the CEO. And uh, when Mr. Baptiste uh, decided to resign, uh, the board uh, stated that they don't feel Mr. Davis was ready. Uh, So they decided that they would open it up and go for a search for a CEO. Mr. Davis, in turn, uh, bid it out the job and went to the Pleasure Island, where he's the director of Pleasure Island. And... um, now that Mr. Baptiste's uh, services were not required uh, for that, Mr. Uh, Davis will now move back and do the Pleasure Island and double as the CEO, well, interim, the interim CEO at the EDC. And, you know, I found it so ironic uh, when a board says that, you're not ready right. for the job after you've been here for two and a half years and this position was created for this purpose and we paid all this money, sent you to all this training, and the board says, we don't think you're ready. So he leaves, and now they don't have no one, and all of a sudden he's back as an interim. So I'm trying to figure out, 
Right. If you didn't think he was good enough for the job, why would you bring him back for any of them? So that fiasco is, is really a fiasco, and I think it all occurs because uh, instead of following the black and white of the state uh, law governing the Economic Development Corporation, along with their bylaws, we have individuals who want to become political. Anytime you have politics entering into situations, you're going to always have uh, chaos, and in some cases, uh, a lot of time it leads to litigations and, and, and stuff because people just don't understand. Uh, everything you do, they have positive procedures, laws, codes, ordinances, and stuff you must follow. You know, I had to, to remind people many times, you know, people tell counsel, and you hear it if you listen to council meetings. Yeah. You listen to a staff person answer a council question and then say, however, council can do as they choose. No, council can't do as they choose. Council must follow the policies, the procedures, the law. You got to tell them what the procedures are if they don't know. If if you see they don't know, you're supposed to tell them. You're supposed to tell them what the law says or what the ordinance says. You tell them. Once you tell them that, that's what they're supposed to understand. Now, they don't do what they want to do. And I think there's a lot of people, uh, well, they got people on council who actually thinks that the council has the authority to do as it chooses and not follow these policies. And we have council members who probably know better, but they're sitting idly, not saying nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this uh, uh, is... Let's go along and get along, and we all gonna be on one page. But at the same time, uh, how effective are you? You know, you, you know, right. you know, you get, you're getting all of this chaos, and you got people violating uh, uh, bylaws or violating uh, uh, laws, and and uh, you're sitting there and you're saying okay, and you know that it's politics involved. Right, and, and, and it brings the question, why did we actually elect you? What, what, what good are you if you're just going to sit by and let everything else going on? Because most of the citizens well, had uh, well, you know, volunteered for some change they people. wanted to change. Yeah, but, you know, that is not the, the deal. I tell people all the time, you know, when you elect someone, you don't really know what that person is going to do, mm. okay? You don't know how it's going to pan out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because the person may come out and appear to be this and then once they're elected, they go back in a whole nother thing. Right. But what citizens have to do a better job at is attending some meetings when they can, look at the videos when they can, Hold them accountable. but look and see what the council members are saying. Uh, how are they representing them? And a lot of times, listen, some of them will be talking, but what they're saying, what they say, a lot of talking all about nothing. Yeah, talking but loud ain't saying nothing, right? Ain't saying that. So what the citizens need to understand is you watch the person representing you. The next time it's time for elections, vote somebody else. Yeah. You already know what they've done. So why go back down that road? Right. Get somebody road. else. And then... You do that until you get someone who you know is being good. They're putting in the time. Right now, I tell you, mm-hmm. I 
I know it takes a lot of time. That reading, that researching, yeah. preparing for council meetings. Let me tell you something. If you do that job right, hey, you don't want to stay in there more than about five, six years, okay, yeah. if you do it right. But if you just go in there, going along to get along, getting your check, and ducking citizens, guess what? You can stay there forever. Now, 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 it's funny that you said do what you want to do, right? Now, that's a, that was a good lead in to the next topic I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Stonegate Apartments. And uh, Mayor oh. Barty, and Mayor Barty said on what Twelve News Now, right? As a matter of fact, he said that he wants to um, he wants to renovate these apartments as a quality of life issue for citizens and hope to attract new people to come over here. Okay, that is a statement that is made by an individual who fail to understand what is being requested of the city and understanding what's involved and what it entails, okay? The, the thing about Stonegate Apartments is that ITEX purchased that apartment complex. Now, they, they, they uh, bought it and they, they done probably went to HUD to get money from HUD, and then they want now to come to the city to get tax credit. Well, these are the steps that are taken by developers of people who are going to have low to moderate income housing. Now, the city has stated long ago, we do not want any more low to moderate income houses with her anymore because what we found is we got all of these apartments all around town and some of them, some of them do not even provide a good environment for our citizens. And what I mean by that is provide security that residents are safe and there's not a lot of crime or criminal activities. Okay. They just Put them in there and, hey, call the police. But they getting their money because the government going to pay, and they got tax credit. So what happens is I take by Stonegate, and they go in and find out they need to make all these renovations. So they send citizens. Citizen goes to council. They're talking about the air condition. They talk about bad carpet. They talk about flooring coming up. And then they saying that they need council to approve the tax credit so that they could get some improvement done in these apartments. Here's the deal. <laughs> Once the tax credit is approved, council no longer can hold the developer accountable to fix things to their standard. It's now meeting the codes and stuff. That's all to it. Yeah. So, but ITEC, ITEC, that is how they operate. They figure if they send residents there telling council how bad the condition is and if this person get it, they're looking forward to an improvement. That's what they told would happen. Like the Edison so, Square. I'm going to get it. So now... 
council hear them. But what the council members should have thought right off, if they are applying for tax credit, there's no need for citizens to be coming before us because it has nothing to do with whether we award the tax credit for now. Now, let's talk about ITEC. ITEC owes the city money now. When I was on council, we was contemplating litigation to get our money. ITEC still owes the city money. ITEC built uh, purchases or built mostly your uh, low-to-market income housing because that's all they do. And the reason they do it because they want to get money from cities for tax credit. They want to get money from HUD and housing. So they want to do an adventure whereby they get a lot of taxpayers' money and don't have to put a lot of money out their own pocket. Yeah, and then they, they tell you they're going to do all of this. Yeah, then they package well, it up and sell it. Well, what citizens about ITEC, ITEC is the owner, well, the manager and owner of the Southwinds Apartments on 73 near 9th Avenue over there that was hit by Harvey, and they didn't get these bottom floor done until, I think, a few months ago, last month or something. Right. But... We as citizens never came back to Port Arthur after Harvey because they lived over there and they wouldn't re- replace them. Council members got involved. Everybody got involved. It took them from Harvey until this year, the, the end of this year, like I said, about a month ago, before they completed renovations to the bottom floor in that park. That's ITEC. But I bet they got the insurance money for the damages. Oh, yeah, they now, got now let's talk about ITEC. ITEC, at various times, have owed us uh, money for water bills. Okay? That was a discussion at one time I was on council. Well, if we turn the water off, it's going to hurt our citizens. We can't just turn the water off. So basically, I think that was a scapegoat way of, once again, use a citizen. Edison Square, you mentioned that one. ITEX was to develop a candy for council and told council that that development will be for only seniors. And council members like myself and others told the guy, no, you can't do that. You can't discriminate. You cannot do that under HUD. Oh, it no, there's are some exception. It's going to be just for seniors. It's going to be... Well, guess what? Once they got it built, it ain't just for seniors. Not on that, but talked about what they're going to do about fixing the road around it and stuff. They didn't do that. ITEC does contribute to council members' campaigns. When I first ran for council, I didn't know the owner from nobody else. He gave me a call, wanted to see me. I went there. He said, hey, he'd like to contribute to my campaign. Gave me, gave me a contribution. I got ready to tell him about my platform. He said, oh, don't worry about it. I, I heard you're a good guy. Okay. Well, guess what? When I voted against some of the things that they had, all of a sudden, I wasn't a good guy. I, I don't receive campaign contributions. Right. So, so at the end of the day, 
if the council has said, and we've said it many times before, we don't need any more low to moderate income, the council shouldn't even consider doing business with a developer who owes the city. He owes the city money right now. Right, that's crazy. And all of the council, the councilmen who spoke in support of it, and those get available, go and look at campaign contributions. Those sitting in them seats, five out of seven, if I'm not mistaken, five out of seven got contributions of two hundred fifty dollars or more from this developer. The owner of iTech, okay? Mm-hmm. So when this comes to council, one, if council is going to stick to what they've told other developers, we've told people who came when I was on council, we don't want any more low to more income. And we weren't going to grant. Yeah, I remember that. Okay? So we've already said that it happened when I was on council. They have said it so far. So the question is going to be, are you going to continue to do what is best for our city and what we put out to the citizens? Are you going to do what's best for your campaign contribution? I think because that's what it's going to amount to in this Stonegate thing. Hey, to tell, you, to, to tell you the truth, if he, I, bought it, if he bought it, when he bought it, he knew what he had to do to it. Now, what the city can do, when all the citizens came to them talking about the conditions that complex, what the city should do if they want to help our citizens, go back and take a look at ordinances. See if you have ordinances that can govern how they uh, treat the tenants or how the environment that they provide tenants. And yeah, if you don't more. have that in place, put something in place. Right. And then have them subjected to be inspected by your health personnel. Okay. Now, that's how you help citizens. But what conditions or what assistance has nothing to do with tax credits? And like I said, this developer owes the city. They ain't supposed to do a contract with somebody that owes the city, one. Two, they have made their mark in this city by always getting low to market income housing. And most of their developments, they don't have the type of security that can reduce criminal activity or disturbances. Oh, right, absolutely. Now, the, the, the last thing, the Lamar State University dorm, yeah. he, he, he requests he got a million-dollar, no-interest loan. He had a million-dollar grant. That's $2 million, one, no interest. The other as a grant, Dr. Payback from the EDC, to build that dorm and hire X amount of Polar the residents to work in it. He came to the council at one time, want the council to bend the contract so that he don't have to hire as many people because he's finding out that it's not filled. Well, we said no. But when we checked, the dawn was full. So all it is is being paraded, but no one are asking these questions or bringing this up, which lead me to believe, are you doing what you should do 
and uh, you stand up for what we said we will do in this city, uh, you make an exception for the person who contributed to the campaign. We're going to find out. A citizen needs to look hard, hard at that decision. Right. And, and I and remember. You can look at the vote. And I remember Boy T was saying on that it was going to start. It was going to start. This will be a, a beginning of several projects. So I think they want to take this show on the road to different other uh, complexes and or rental property and try to do this throughout the city. So Who's that? Uh, Barty. Yeah, Barty. Bar- oh, oh, no, Barty no. was talking about it, so I'm assuming Let that me tell you I tell they're going to start doing a whole bunch of this but, No, you don't want to deal with people that when you look at, owe your money, try to get you to change contracts, get, uh, get behind the paying you, or don't do what they say they're going to do when they get the taxes, but they yeah. contribute to your campaign and you want to try to talk about they're doing this. No, you shouldn't let them work in this city. Exactly. And he needs to understand the council ain't into getting housing. That ain't the council's job. Right. It's the developer's job. Yeah, repairing and, houses, yeah. Oh, and the people you want to deal with are people who going to provide the type of amenities and stuff for your citizens for which you want. Yeah. You see... And all this rhetoric you talking about, because you don't even understand what's happening or how to do it, right. speaks for itself. That is not council's job to promote business people. You don't do that. Exactly. And they're going to do this around. That's what he's been doing in the city, where he's been. And that's, that's what I just got through talking about is some of the problems that have existed dealing with this developer. Yeah, because what, what Barty is trying to say, this is going to be like a quality of life issue, and they're doing this to try to help people move in. That's the scam that they're using it under. Try to help people yeah. to move to the city. No, if, if he wants to help our citizens, it has to be done in a way that can be most effective. That mm-hmm. is establishing ordinances. Okay putting requirements, uh, having uh, uh, requirements passed that will enable your fire department to make periodic checks, to make your health department go through and check living conditions and stuff, and establishing a standard, okay? Right. And once you have that standard establishing ordinance, then when they don't do it, then you hammer them, Okay. But I don't care what they say they're going to do. This particular developer, like I said, got a tendency to always paint this great picture. Yeah. But once he got the tax credit, the tax credit he, owed, he owed the city money and been a problem paying it. But he could go and buy this complex. Now, how do you buy a complex <laughs> and owe the city money? There you go. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. How do you go by telling the city that... You're going to have this just, this is going to be built just for uh, senior citizens. And it turned out, you can't, and you know it all the time. You know it all the time because that company will probably know more about uh, a HUD and the requirements than the housing department because that's all they deal with it. Not just here in Port Arthur, but anywhere they build in any city, it's low to moderate income housing. And I can tell you right now, why haven't they developed anything in Port Natures or anything in Neela? 
Why haven't they built one? Now, they built yeah. all of these complexes, or they buy all these complexes in Port Arthur. And so how come they haven't done nothing in Neyland and Port Nathan? Right, they don't want it. Because it's low to moderate income, and these cities know once you become moderate income, that's under HUD. Under HUD, you can't say it's just for your residents. It's for anybody in the United States who qualifies for housing can go on that list. So when you do that, you open it up. Now, Stonegate already has the residence. So what you're saying, well, you already got it. Well, I'm like this. If you're not going to increase the numbers, then that's not a problem. But why should we give you tax credit yeah. when the person that originally built this was, had got tax credit? Exactly. So why should we? <laughs> you see, we already gave us the tax credit for this complex. Right, yeah. So why give up more tax? We gave it already. Now we're supposed to get our taxes. You won't buy now. You want us to go back and give tax credit? Some more. That's stuff. revenue this city is supposed to get. Until, You're losing money, right? Yeah. Until council member understand business and decisions, you got to be very careful when you start getting where these developers talking to you and and and, and, con, and contributing to your campaign. You got to be super careful about those. Now, when when folks give you money, and then they come back to you, you yeah. got to be kind of super careful with those. Because some of them, they give you money for something. Yeah. Now, citizen must say, all developers are not like that, okay? All right. of them are not like Some of them will give contributions, and they don't expect anything in return. They just want to help this county. But some of them, their whole mission in life has been giving money to get votes. Yeah. And that is one. That is not a doubt. I understand. And I got a problem with this developer because what I know they've done in the city and they always want to buy it. They always want tax credit. They always want the government money. But what do you do to make sure that the quality of life and the environment and everything is good? What type of security you are providing for our citizens? What kind of rules you have set up to make sure that they're in a good environment? You go back and look at those that they own. <laughs> uh, all these interested getting the money from the federal government, saving money on tax credit. They're interested in making money and putting little money into it using taxpayers' money, no matter whether it's on the, in the form of tax credit on, on the municipal level or it's on the federal level with getting money from housing, okay? Right so, now, oh, this this thing here, I don't see why it was entertained because council is always taking a stand. We don't want any more low to moderate income housing. He's buying the complex now. Mm-hmm. Just leave it like it is. It's market rate complex. You yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, what what what's your deal? You yeah. know, you know, you want to go in and and stuff. There's it, a whole lot of sugar being because I read the comment in the newspaper. Uh, I've, I've heard some of the comment of uh, a citizen yeah. who uh, spoke at council and people they interview, but they are using citizens. They are using citizens to try to influence a vote right. that is not in the best interest of the city at this time. Not citizen because 
the vote to give him tax credit doesn't guarantee that he's going to do what he's telling them they're going to do. Exactly. And with all that being said, Mr. Doucette, now we talked about the budget. We've talked about the EDC. We've talked about giving these tax credits to Stonegate. Now we have a city attorney, right? Now what, what, where does a city attorney is involved in all this? We so she's supposed to give us some type of guidance. She's supposed to know a lot of these things of what what we're not supposed to be done. And I have my own opinions about that, but I want to go ahead and, and see what you have to say about this city attorney and where is her place as far as like kind of giving us proper direction and what's legal and what's not legal. Well, you know, I saw it on couch at two different times, and both times with uh, the city attorney is currently serving. And I've used to uh, comment and, and, and talk with her at various times, and I used to constantly remind her that you are the attorney for the city. You're not the city council attorney. You're not the city manager attorney. You are the city attorney for the city of Port Arthur. You are supposed to give legal advice. You're not supposed to give your opinion. You're not supposed to manipulate the, the law. You are supposed to just give the law what it says in the law. If you don't know, go find out, then come inside. And uh, there's too many things that have happened uh, lately and recently to say that the city attorney should not have instructed counsel that she doesn't uh, recommend that uh, uh, she recommended they shouldn't, and all being based on laws and everything, just like the one whereby they amend the budget and approve the budget for EDC. If nothing else, if she didn't know, all she had to do was says, "Let's table or let me recess a while, let me read the bylaws," and when she just found out that it says. Their budget must be approved by the board and the council. And means both of them. So how can you change this and then vote to approve it and then the board hasn't approved the change? It's not what the bylaw says. You're an attorney. And when it says by the board and council, then... She should know it means both of them. So if they say, can we change it, she should have said, yes, but it must go back down, and the board must then take the action, and they must approve it. And if they approve the changes that we recommended, they'll send it back us to us with those changes, and then we can approve it then. That is the way it's supposed to operate. That's the way it's supposed to do, because that's what the state law says. They are responsible for approving that budget and doing the budget. And the state law says it must be approved by the council. Their bylaws say the same thing. Now, you don't need an attorney to see what the bylaws and the state law are saying. So how can you allow the council to do something like that? Okay? So uh, uh, getting, getting involved with things going on with the EDC and talking to the EDC attorney and their chairperson, you don't do that unless the council directs you to do that because the EDC have their own attorney. And if you have a problem with anything the EDC doing, you should bring it to your council because your council has the overall authority over that corporation. 
And they're the one that's supposed to ensure that that corporation follow that law and by law. So to tell you the truth, a lot of what is happening, the city attorney is not taking the stand to make sure the council follow what is written as opposed to doing what they want. It appears that she's more interested in doing what council supporting, what council want to do, as opposed to doing her job. Her job is to ensure that that council does not do anything illegal or that it follows the laws because council is subject to be sued. So why put us in a position where somebody may sue? And what she should understand is just because a person not on city council doesn't mean that they don't understand city government just because then we have a lot of past council members who have served, but no longer. We all out here, we all listen, we all see what's going on. You know, we don't criticize what a council do if you are the type of person that understands it's not your choice anymore. You're no longer council member. They do things differently. But one thing that we all understand is that I don't care who we are. If it's written a certain way, everybody's supposed to do it that way. So if it was a law when I served and the law hasn't changed, then nothing has changed. You have to follow that law like I did. And these decisions that they're making, it's, they just don't understand. You know, you're putting yourself in a position, litigation, because I, as a taxpaying citizen now, no longer a councilman. I'm following along with what decisions they make. Some I don't agree with, but I'm not going to tell you it's wrong because they're doing something that I wouldn't do. But I tell you what, when it's something written and they don't do, I have a problem with it. And as a citizen, I'm going to say it, not as a former council member. I'm going to say it as a citizen that knows what is written and knowing they're not following it. And that's the main purpose of being able to talk about these things and get it out to citizens, not to tell citizens what's right, what's wrong, but to tell citizens what laws or what bylaws or what ordinance or what things we have available to tell us how to do business and tell them where this is found so they can go and find it for themselves and they could read the same thing that I read so they could come out to their own conclusion on whether it's right or wrong or whether somebody's following it or not following it. I don't want to tell them they're not following I want to tell you what is written, where to find it, and if you go and read it, you're going to find out for yourself whether they're making good decisions that would help and serve you or whether they're making decisions that are unacceptable. So it's not for me to judge, but I do feel with the experience of I've had with city government and the time I spent learning about it, I don't feel that council should ever take advantage of council members, some members are citizens not understanding to do things right. that are clearly against black and white. I'll put it that way. No matter what it is, law, ordinance, you shouldn't do things 
that's written and tell you how to do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, shoot, uh, there was a there was a great that was a great presentation. I'm thinking I'm gonna go ahead and try to wrap it up. It's been at the two hour mark. And uh, if you want to go ahead and give a closing statement, brother, I greatly appreciate it. Well, I tell you what, like I said, uh, you know, I I don't agree with a lot of things, but some things, you know, I respect the rights of people to do differently. But I think citizens should be informed. And anytime issues are occurred in a city where I feel citizens need to have information, uh, I'm always glad to get on a podcast or, or whatever venue to tell citizens where they could go and find information and what information will say. And they will find if they look these things up, uh, they don't have to be an attorney or a college graduate to understand what it says. They will quickly understand what should have been done and what should not have been done and how things should be done. And once they do that, then they can go now back and look at who's doing it and who's not doing it. People who are not doing it, you keep that in mind because when it's time for election again, do you want to keep somebody that's not doing it or you want somebody else and get somebody else a chance? So once again, I thank you for the opportunity uh, for me to uh, answer some of the questions that you've had, uh, you know, because... You know, you kind of throw things out sometimes, and I and I read it, and I see what you're putting out there, and I I be wanting to uh, jump in there, but you know, uh, it's it's your thing. But you be on the right track, I guess. Uh, what people fail to realize is not what you say or who you are, but the information that you're posting with it. That's what they should read. That's yes, what sir. they should be more involved with understanding. And if they do that, they'll find out that. You know, the information is what's important, uh, not who gives it or who it's coming from, but information that can always make us all better and make us more knowledge. Yes, sir. Once again, I thank everybody for allowing me the opportunity and you, of course, uh, for letting me be able to answer some of the concerns uh, here in the city. Oh, yes, sir. No problem. I like to say that I uh, sometimes I may not um, agree with all of the statements I put out. Sometimes I do that to make you think. Like one of the statements I put out there that I wasn't really pushing for, but it's just something to make you think, right? Now that $14.3 million in tax credits uh, our mayor wants to give away to an apartment. Now you could have, now some things could have came up. You could have did that. You could have did a, um, um, a homeless shelter, right? A lot of people talking about the homeless shelter, right? If you really want to be, you know, for the citizens. Now, now, I don't, that really wasn't my uh, position with that, but that was just something to make you think. You want to give this to a developer that has, that, that, that has responsibility of fixing their own apartments, right? Their own worn down apartments. When, you know, that other month, that money that you want to give to them could have went to somewhere else. And that's basically what I was meaning by that particular post. So, you know, a lot of times when I post things, it's just to make you think, right? And that may may not be 100% my position, just to make you think there's other alternatives that we could do with some of this money than what the council is doing by wasting it. Well, not only that, but if someone really understood how much he's going to pay for this complex, how much he will get from HUD, how much he'll get with tax credit, you'll find out that he ain't going in his pocket to get nothing. Right. Hardly. It's all on taxpayers' backs, yes. and that's and, and 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 that's how he's made it. That's how that company has made their money, and 
we, we, we had come to a conclusion that, you know, that's not what was in best interest of Port Arthur, you know, and, you know, this complex, when it was originally built, they got the abatements and tax credits, okay? So uh, they've gotten that for that place. Now he come in, he wants to buy. We don't go back now and give you tax credit abatement. Yeah, give you what you want. Yeah. It's already been done. We're supposed to be getting money from this complex. Exactly. Okay, we already gave up what we want for this particular time. So that's what people have to understand when they're talking about taxpayers' money. It ain't your money to give like that. And if the people before you had not gotten any incentive when it was built, then you could say, okay, we never lost any money, okay? So maybe we may want to give an incentive. Right. But when an incentive was given when it's built, you don't give an incentive because somebody else buys it. I mean, you're going to keep giving incentive every time it changes ownership? That's taxpayers' money. I tell you what, you wouldn't do it if it was your money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm out of here, man. Yes, that's the whole problem. It ain't my money. It's they just did his money. All right, brother. Uh, yeah, I do appreciate you for coming out here and, and beating the block and All forming right. the sentences. Have a good one. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Was another, another, that was another good presentation by uh, former council member Harold Doucette. And I kind of want to go ahead and kind of add this a little bit, right? I'm going to, and I'm going to be doing my own podcast, right, about the city attorney's office, right? Because one thing that's constant out of all the problems that's been going on, city manager contingency fund. Um, we finding money inside the legal department. We finding money at the police department. We find we got money over here in the uh, CDBG funds, right? The main thing, look, the the problem that's been going on, like with these tax credits, right? Same with Edison Square. It's been going on despite who's the council person, right? Despite who's the mayor, despite who's the city manager. All these problems with the contingency funds, tax credits, all these things, streets not being fixed, money in departments where nothing has been getting done. All of these things have been going on. The only thing constant is the city attorney's office, right? And and to do all this crazy stuff, you have to be, first of all, these council members are too stupid to do all this uh, illegal crazy shit, right? First off, they too stupid to do it. Now, now that that goes to show, since they're so stupid, and a uh, council and that council staff is kind of stupid too, or they they don't want to be caught up in a legal bind, right? So they have to have some false sense of legal protection, and I believe this false sense comes from the the city attorney's office somewhere. I'm not saying who, you know, but somewhere in that office, somebody is. It's quarterbacking all this, right? We know that that attorneys run politics. So I'm going to kind of hold that for you right there because I got a lot of good stuff to go ahead and bring it out to you. Man, I just got to package some of this stuff and some of the cues that a lot of these, a lot of people give that kind of leads me in that direction, right? Because you have an incompetent counsel, not a city, the, 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 the city attorney's office has to work 
hard. She has to work hard, but they have to work hard in there to kind of keep this bull crap going. So just hold on right there. We're going to bring a big expose on it, and I think that's the that'll be the missing link. And um, and uh, hey, once again, appreciate y'all for uh, staying with me and listening to this, and uh, we'll be back at it again. Peace.